You're listening to the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. We're at the beginning of the third chapter of Rosh Hashanah, and somewhat unusually, we're going to finish off an issue at the beginning of the chapter. I, I don't understand I don't understand why, but although I can see that there seems to be a magic number of nine Mishnayot per chapter, so perhaps the subject matter spilt over. And in any case, the previous chapter closed on an important issue. But the third chapter is going to begin with the conclusion of the announcement of the new moon. Ra'uhu bet din v'chol Yisrael nechrakku ha'edim v'lo hispiku l'omar mekudash ad shechashecha harezem u'bar. Let's say that the Bet Din saw the new moon and all of Israel saw the new moon and the witnesses were examined, but there was no time left to say Mukudash. Remember, the Bet Din has to stand up and say Mukudash, Mukudash, sanctified, sanctified. There was no time to make the announcement before dark. So the month is, well, the word used is Mu'ubar, pregnant. It's actually mu'ubar in the masculine, pregnant, i.e. it has 30 days. So we know that a month can have either 29 or 30 days. If we can't announce the new moon before the end of the 29th, before the end of the 30th day, if we can't announce before the end of the 30th day that, hey, today's the first day of the new month, then by default it becomes the 30th day of the previous month. And the new month doesn't start till the next day. So there is a question of, there is a physical, there is a program that needs to be observed here. It's not about the reality, actually, of seeing the moon, but it's about the reality of when you need to make your announcement by. So the formal rules of the announcement take precedence. What if there are no witnesses? Ra'uhu ve'din, bilavad, the bet'din alone saw it. Well, we still need we still need to keep the rules, right? Just as we need to keep the rules about timing, we need to keep the rules about witnesses. We need witnesses. So if only the Bet Din saw it, then two of them will stand up and they'll act as witnesses. And then the others will accept their evidence. And then when they accept the evidence, they'll stand, they'll say Mukudash Mukudash. It's sanctified, sanctified. So three people saw it, and they themselves are the bet din. Well, what are we going to do? Because we need three minimum for the bet din, and we need two minimum for the witnesses. So what are we going to do? So two of them are going to stand up. They're going to stand up to give evidence. So then they're going to seat some colleagues with the one remaining judge. So they're going to pack out the bench. They're going to pack the bench with some more judges. And then the two who've stood up are going to testify. The two that have stood up are going to testify in front of the new Bet Din. And they say, sanctified, sanctified. 
שאין היחיד נאמן על ידי עצמו. For an individual is not trusted on his own. And this is really quite a fundamental principle. You know, even the bet din of Moshe and Aaron, you know, they had a bet din, they had three people. Um, however great the individuals are, we still don't make a bet din with fewer than three people. And we don't give, unless there's very special circumstances, we don't accept evidence from fewer than two. So that maybe what this Mishnah is emphasizing are that there are certain rules of how we operate these things. And these rules actually take precedence over the physical reality of whether they've seen the new moon or not. The kind of the process is important. And with that, we will move on to the question of blowing. And remember the first, one of the first psukim we learned was um, from Bamidbar, Uvachodesh HaShvi'i Bechad HaChodesh, Mikra Kodesh Yelachem. In the seventh month on the first day of the month, you'll have a holy convocation. Komalechet Avodal Otasu, you don't do any work. This is Rosh Hashanah, right? And it doesn't use the words Rosh Hashanah, but it's the first day of the seventh month. Yom Teruah Yelachem. It's a day of blowing the horn for you. The first day of the seventh month is a day of blowing the horn. So we need, in the second part of the Masechet, to think about blowing the horn. And the Mishnah begins. It's a very puzzling Mishnah, actually. It's an incomprehensible Mishnah. Kol hashofarot kashirin chutz mishel para mipnei shehu keren. All shofars are kasher except for that of a cow because it is a karen. A cow's horn apparently is called a karen. And something that's called a karen is not okay for Rosh Hashanah. All shofarot are kasher except for that of a cow. And Rabbi Yossi objects. Amar Rabbi Yossi, Halo chola shofarot nikru keren. Isn't, isn't every shofar called a keren? And he's going to bring a verse from Joshua. Joshua, this is, by the way, the, the walls of Jericho being um, falling down. And in, in Joshua, you know, the verse says, V'hayabim shoch b'keren hayovel we got the word Karen and we got the word Shofar. It shall be at the drawing out of the ram's Karen when you hear the sound of Shofar. So we've got Karen and Shofar which are parallel, which are identical. So we know that a Karen is a Shofar. So we can understand kind of Rabiosi, if you like, but we still don't understand the beginning of the Mishnah. All shofars are kasher except for that of a cow. And the Gemara tries to bring various semantic explanations about the meaning of the word keren. Maybe maybe uh, the, a cow's horn is not called a keren, whereas the other horns are. Maybe that's the answer. But I think the real answer, the real answer comes in the Babylonian Talmud in Rosh Hashanah and it's given by Ulla. Now, Ulla is a traveling rabbi. Ulla is one of the guys who travels backs and forwards between the, the land of Israel. So he'll be going back necessarily from the Galil at this point, not from Yavne. So he'll be going backwards and forwards from the Galil to Bavel. He's a traveling rabbi. 
That's Ula. And Ula says, This is the reasoning of the rabbis, and he's referring to the reasoning of the rabbis in our Mishnah. And it goes like Rav Chista. What did, what did Rav Chista say? <laughs> Rav Chista says, ma ein kohen gadol for what reason does the high priest not enter this means inside the Holy of Holies with his golden clothes to perform the service? Why can't the high priest perform the service with golden clothes? And we learnt when we learned the Mishnah of Yoma that he changes his clothes. He actually changes his clothes about five times during the day. And when he goes into the Holy of Holies, he takes off his golden clothes and he puts on white clothes. We learned that in the Mishnah of Yoma. Why is this? Because a prosecutor cannot become a defender. A prosecutor can't become a defender. What is this about being a prosecutor? Well, the gold, the gold clothes, what do they remind us of? They remind us of the idolatry of the golden calf. They made a gold, a calf out of gold. We can't have the high priest on your, and of course, Yom Kippur. I mean, they made a calf out of gold and the tablets were smashed. And Yom Kippur is the day that Moshe comes down from the mountain with the new tablets. So how can we possibly go into the Kodesh Kodoshim wearing gold? The, the, the Yom Kippur is the day when essentially we uh, receive forgiveness for the gold. So we can't, we, we, you know, we, we're not going to bring gold into the Holy of Holies. But along the same lines, what animal did they represent? It was a calf. It was a cow. We're not going to use a cow on Rosh Hashanah because it, it reminds it reminds God of the cow, the golden calf. That's the reason of Rav Chista, which Ulla brings. And it's a it's an abstruse reason, but it, it kind of rings true. And, and we'll learn later in the Gemara that we actually use a ram's horn because... That reminds God of the binding of Isaac, which might also have taken place, by the way, on Rosh Hashanah. And that's a much more suitable thing to remind God of um, at the time when he's judging us. The Mishnah is then going to go on. And this is a very puzzling Mishnah. Shofar shal Rosh Hashanah shal Ya'el. We've said, hang on, we said we're going to use a ram's horn. But that's not the Mishnah. The Mishnah goes on to say, It's not a ram's horn, it's an ibex. It's an ibex and it's straight. And its mouth is overlaid with gold. And there were two trumpets, one on each side of it. And we don't recognize any of this, right? I mean, we, none of us have walked into shul on Rosh Hashanah and found an ibex shofar overlaid with gold with two trumpets standing one on each side. 
and the Mishnah goes on to say, Shofar ma'arich v'chatzotzrot v'chatzrot. The Shofar gives a long blast, and the trumpets just give a short one. Toot, toot. Since Shem Yitzvat hayom shofar, because the mitzvah of the day, the commandment of the day is the Shofar. So the Shofar goes long, and then we can hear the Shofar, if you like, through the trumpets or over the trumpets. And there comes a point after the trumpet stops blowing that we can just hear the shofar. And we need to hear the shofar. So what is this about the ibex? Well, the Bartonura will give us a hint from the Gemara. Shelyael uh, Pashut of an ibex straight. Di litfila ba'inan pshutot. For the tefillah, we require straight ones. We need to be straight during the tefillah of Rosh Hashanah. You know, and that, that's an important, the halakha is not going to go according to this Mishnah, but it, it's a really, it's a, it's a really deep and important point. For the tefillah of Rosh Hashanah, we have to be straight. We have to be, and that means straight inside, not just having a straight shofar. And then the Rambam will explain, actually, on his commentary, a couple of Mishnayot down. But I brought the, the commentary now just to sort of, just not to surprise you. And we'll learn this Mishnah tomorrow. The Amar B'mash Kadam, it, says, it stated above, he's two Mishnayot ahead of us. So he say, he's referring to our Mishnah, but he says above. Ki shofar mikeren hayalim eina halacha. The... Um, statement that the shofar of Rosh Hashanah is of an ibex, this is not the halakha. And similarly, it doesn't go according to Rabbi Yehuda. We'll learn Rabbi Yehuda a bit later. aval pasaka halakha, the judgment of the halakha is she shofar shel yovel veshel Rosh Hashanah shel zcharim kufim. And the um, halakha is the shofar of the jubilee. And of Rosh Hashanah, the, there's a blowing as well on the Jubilee year, and the um, the rabbis derive what the the, the the rabbis equate the blowing of Rosh Hashanah to the blowing of the Jubilee, and that's a zacharim kufim bent males, and he's referring actually to a ram. So it, it we are the Rambam is assuring us that in fact we do have bent um, uh, we we have a bent shofar from a ram, and. You know, all this stuff about the trumpets and the gold. Well, they did that in the temple, but we don't do that today. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict.